back to another episode of How to Save the Planet. I am Muna, your favorite climate campaigner, and I'm on my own today because we have a whole group of guests joining us to hear about, um, you know, green travel around the country. But first, before we begin, let's just talk about what's been going on in the world of climate. So August 22nd was Earth Overshoot Day. So this is the point every year which kind of shows us when we've used all the natural resources that the planet can regenerate in a year. Um, This year's date was three weeks later than last year, which kind of does sound positive, but I think the real question for us is whether we can move this state back with positive action rather than, of course, tragedies like the pandemic. We all know the sorts of things that can help the planet, like consuming less, switching to green energy and using active travel. So things like walking and cycling. But in reality, while many of us want to ditch the car, there are obstacles making it difficult. We need the government to do more to make this safer and more accessible to everyone. So today we are talking about all things green transport and I'm excited to be joined by three experts doing their bit to make the nation greener. So before we get into it, let's get everyone to introduce themselves and give a bit of an explanation to the people about where you're from and what your organisations do. So Half, would you like to kick us off? Hello, yeah, I'm Hav, um, Hav Algar. So I'm the director of Friends of the Earth Cymru, which is basically Friends of the Earth in Wales. So we're part of England, Wales and Northern Ireland, Friends of the Earth. So yeah, we've got a a little office uh, in Cardiff and we've got a network of local groups and climate action groups uh, across Wales, as well as getting involved in uh, in wider Friends of the Earth campaigns. Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, Rudy, would you like to tell us about yourself? Hi, yes, I'm Rudy. I'm in Birmingham at the moment and I'm from Sustrans and we're a nationwide charity and we help people to cycle and walk and try and look for ways and spaces to make cycling and walking easier Um, and that includes things like getting people to be active on their way to work or cycle and scoot to school. We're all about the active travel. Fab, I love it. And last but not least, Ian. Hello, my name is Ian Taylor and I'm one of the two directors of a small organisation called Transport for Quality of Life. Uh, and we've been working with her uh, in Wales. So we also have a Welsh name, Travnidiaethir Bwydo Savon. And uh, we are based further north than her. We are in mid-Wales between Machantleth and Aberystwyth. And I'm speaking to you from um, up a hill, quite a long way away from any transport, in fact. Um, so, team, whenever I think about transport I, I always just have memories of running for the buses for school when the buses used to cost what 40p or something those were the days <laughs> um and I think I've always yeah just felt quite lucky to have you know regular transport systems even if it at the minute isn't you know the most accessible um, or even affordable so I mean I just want to get a picture about kind of what transport looks like in your area and how you get around um and if there are things you'd want to improve with it Ian I know you mentioned that you're quite aware from transport so maybe you can kick us off with that one Yes, I've seen quite a big change um, in my transport because uh, for the last two years, I was seconded into Westminster doing work as the transport policy advisor to the Shadow Secretary of State for Transport. So I had a cycle route down uh, along the fantastic new cycle superhighway through the middle of London um, alongside the river there and uh, was getting plenty of exercise. And now I'm in a situation where 
Um, I'm back in Wales, where I've been living these last 20 years, and uh, my route to work consists of exactly 10 steps from the front door to the outbuilding we use as an office, which can't count as active travel at all. The situation is uh, that I've, I sort of lived the two extremes, because we do do quite a lot of policy work in London as an organisation, although we're a business, we're also very ethically based, so we're looking to improve the quality of life for people uh, through transport and the environment. And we're somewhere strung between a sort of campaigning organisation and the consultancy and a think tank tank really. For me there's a walk to a bus service that runs every hour and that's comparatively good and that's a mile and a half walk and then perhaps my favourite journey is to go to catch the train which is a a three mile walk across some wonderful hills but the train runs every um, roughly every hour uh, so far as Shrewsbury but it's very much rural rural transport but it's a lot better than many people have. (laughs) Yeah I mean um, really do you kind of does Ian's experiences resonate what's the picture like where you are not at all so I'm in sort of the heart of Birmingham so we've got bus stops left right and center we've got um a a local train line but so across city train line um Birmingham is working towards better public transport and we've already got quite a step up from what Ian's describing but of course we are a much bigger city and a lot more people to move around and our public transport system is something that people rely on a lot so yeah I'm lucky to be able to have a, like a 30 minute off-road cycle route all the way to work and it's amazing I miss it I miss it at the moment being working from my desk at home Oh, I can imagine. So I feel like we've got, okay, Ian, who's living that rural life, really, who's in the heart of a buzzing city. Huff, are you going to tell me you are right in the middle of that? <laughs> um, probably a bit closer to reading that, you know, I'm relatively lucky in Wales that, you know, I live in the capital of Wales, Cardiff, um, a neighbourhood just west of the city centre. So I can actually walk to the city centre, you know, just over a mile. Um, yeah, I don't drive, but I use buses a lot usually. Um but there's, yeah, I don't live near a train station. There's no, you know, metro or trams or anything like that in Cardiff at the moment. But there are regular bus services, you know, before lockdown, I never cycled on the roads. Um, I'm sort of, you know, got a bike in the shed and was quite a nervous uh, cyclist, really. Um, so I've been loving that, to be honest. Uh, but the difficulty, I think, for me is when I'm, yeah, getting out, you know, traveling um, across Wales, you know, either to see family and friends or, or as part of my the job as well. That's really challenging. Trying to go up to Bangor, you know, major town in North Wales. It's like about five hours by railway, you know, um, and you have to go through Hereford and Shrewsbury in England. And I think as the crow flies, it's only like 130 miles or something like that. So, you know, Wales isn't massive, but it seems to take ages to get around. I was just going to say, sorry, it's also not a a perfectly rosy picture here in Birmingham. We've got loads of connections into the city centre. We do struggle for connections across neighbourhoods. So getting that sort of more circular picture and looking at the way that people might travel now where they might work a bit closer or need to do lots more local trips. So that sort of connected infrastructure between areas that don't necessarily go straight to the city centre, that's missing a little bit. And that's something that we're working on in Birmingham. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that leads me nicely to my next question of um, what transport situation would you want to see in your area? Ian, I don't know if you were going to come in and add to that. There's a few of us around here that do live in this area without 
owning cars things and there is a car club in Mahantleth that um, I'm a member of I very rarely use it as it happens but that's a very informal car club where the hook for many years on the wall was just there with the key on it for anybody cars are such a good point because particularly as many people um, look into you know staycations in the UK this year because of the coronavirus if you come from a major city for instance where you're almost used to public transport and you don't drive you are kind of stuck without a car Birmingham's always, yeah, been the kind of car is king kind of city. It's going to be a bit of a culture change to kind of get people to change their mind. And, you know, the city council and the cabinet member for transports were working really hard to say the car isn't king in Birmingham. It's going to be a bit of a culture shift, but I think we are starting to move towards that. And that's what I want to see in Birmingham. I want to see people feel safe to cycle. And that's something that we're working on is trying to get that get a bit more infrastructure in so that people do feel safe. What would be kind of the perfect version of transport in your areas? Um, and maybe have you want to kick us off with that question? Um, well, I guess, yeah, my local area, I guess, is Cardiff, although uh, you work right across Wales. So, uh, so honestly, changes everywhere because everywhere's really, yeah, really different. Um, I think the last few years, there's been a lot more awareness of air pollution and the desperate and urgent need to tackle it. Um, and how it's often really unfair as well. You know, it's a, it's a social justice issue. The um, often it's people who don't have a car, you know, c- can't afford a, a car, um, live in the worst affected areas. Cycling routes need to be made safer and more across city and from community to community um, as well. So there's a lot to do in that uh, in that area, I think. Um, but there are some really exciting plans with the council. Um, they put green paper out on transport, a sort of discussion paper with ideas for how they can reduce car use, um, improve public transport and just get more people walking and cycling around. Yeah, I mean, very briefly, Riddy and Ian, is there, is there kind of, do you have your own kind of perfect versions in your, of tra- what transport should look like in your own areas? Same for me, really, just more and safer cycling infrastructure. I feel like because there were less cars on the road, more people tried out cycling and realised that it was something that they could do, whether it was just for leisure or actually eventually potentially for commuting when we go back to office-based working. So I think because they felt safer, people were doing it. And so if they could feel safer all the time, they might actually do it. So for me, it's that. But it is about joined up thinking have enough space on a train to cycle to the station and take your bike on the train or have very secure parking to park your bike there and feel good about it. Or like we're looking at, um, get it, there's a rapid transport system coming into Birmingham, like a sprint fast bus route. And again, having space to put your bike on there or your equipment that you want to carry. It's about that connection between everything and everything working together. So it's not like several separate systems of public transport or active travel that you can do lots of different things all at once to, to make your journey easier for you. I mean, you, you're all actively pushing for change where you are. Um, Ian and Half, um, I wonder if you could just tell us a bit about what you've been working on. Maybe Half, you can kick us off. So, yeah, we're really excited because uh, Ian and, and uh, yeah, his company, Transport Quality of Life, has uh, just prepared a report for us on what transport could look like in Wales if you looked at it from the context of like the climate emergency, so thought, you know, okay, we desperately need to reduce our emissions. We know that transport is a sort of 
problem area. You know, it doesn't work for people and, and communities in terms of traveling around, but also for the planet because it's, you know, quite high share of, uh, of our climate damaging emissions. Um, and that's been going up. So we sort of knew there was a problem. We were also aware of, you know, sort of innovative and exciting uh, work that Ian and his colleagues have been doing, and especially like looking at international examples, you know, what's working in other places. And we really wanted to come up with some solutions for, okay, let's, let's think, what could we do in Wales? The Welsh Government's preparing a new transport strategy for Wales. And also there's just like, uh, you know, I think there's awareness from the public um, and sort of political will to to do things differently. We've got a relatively new um, law in place, which is all about well-being of future generations. There's been a definite shift of focus in Wales to how can we better connect communities, you know, how can we uh, make things easier for people um, and also, you know, tackle climate and ecological emergencies. So a really positive opportunity that we wanted to sort of contribute to vision of what, what Wales could look like to think differently and, you know, what could work not just for the cities but across rural areas so how everything could be better connected yes it's about transport infrastructure and stuff like that but really it's about how people live and work and you know socialize and everything else and and, and get around you know what access to services they have so it's about making people's lives better as well as um, make things better for the planet yeah um you know i don't know if you had anything to add to that the first thing I would say is that it is enabling to look at what other countries are doing better. There is no other country in the world that would be so stupid as to pretend that you can actually do what we try to do, which is to not regulate your buses. Places where you can properly coordinate your public transport services, situations where there's really good regulation, very often a lot of public ownership of the bus services and the train services, and they all fit together. You see that the levels of public transport use compared with someone like the West Midlands, where it is, is, is at two, two, three, four times the amount of public transport use per capita that we have here. I'm talking before the coronavirus got in the way. If we were to have the same sort of regulation and standards, we would achieve something like a 10% reduction in our transport um, emissions. And that would be huge because we have failed completely to reduce transport emissions since 1990, more or less. It's, it's a completely disastrous sector. If we had the same levels of cycling and the same infrastructure as there is in somewhere like Holland, um, we would be able to reduce our emissions by something like 30% um, in most areas. I, th- I think stepping back a bit further, these are, that is a bigger contribution to climate um, change solving climate change than people normally would think was possible with active travel. But it is possible. We need to stop digging ourselves into a deeper hole. There's a vast amount of planned expenditure on roads. If we switch that into um, provision for things which are good transport, the present government is boasting about having the biggest road building program ever. It will put us into a worse situation, not a better situation. Really, I mean, if you could just give us an idea of kind of what's going on in Birmingham um, and, uh, and, and you know, how, you know, what, how are you um, approaching greener transport there and, and involving, you know, local communities? So in Birmingham as a whole, the sort of change in direction towards looking at our transport system is amazing. Working towards reallocating road space back to cyclists and uh, pedestrians but also alongside that we're looking at things like low traffic neighborhoods basically a low traffic neighborhood is where you try and keep some of that traffic on the main roads 
and stop it from rut running through residential areas. This is where we're working with the community, which roads that we should stop access to to allow people to wrap run through eventually some of this traffic what is what they call evaporates it takes some time but the idea is that people change their journeys and because areas are safer to walk and cycle through less people use that as a through route so again you look at that that pollution that Ian was talking about and you look at that congestion and, and eventually hopefully reduce some of that And that's, you know, it needs to work with the community. That's very important there because that community lives in that area and they're the ones that know how the traffic works there. Yeah, I'd like to pick up on that. It'd be be really good to understand from all of you, because I think, you know, certainly at Friends of the Earth anyway, it is, you know, communities that drive change for us. Um, It'd be good to get an understanding of kind of the importance of working with communities. How important is that for, you know, your work and what you do? It's really important. You can't make a change in a community without that community it doesn't work it's not fair you don't get the true understanding of what the community or the area or the location needs without that conversation really this is something that is important i try and get across the communities that we work with is it don't just tell us the extremes that it's amazing or it's awful we just need some of that that middle ground as well to say yeah we agree we're not quite sure or any of that middle ground communication really helps because you really fully understand the picture you don't just get usually you get a lot of the people that are against something are the ones that perhaps shout the loudest about something because they want to be heard so sometimes that positive or even middle ground understanding is where you lose that understanding of what the community feels i think that's a a really really nice way of putting it because i think one of the things that you see in other countries is a situation that seems to be much less polarized if you talk to people about reducing car use it sort of people leap to the idea they've got to give up their car the question needs to be how we can use our cars less it's not really a question of asking people to give up their cars and take them to scrap people i think Hariti's point about exploring the middle ground is a really good one i agree it's not about all or nothing with any of these schemes it's all about a little bit more compromise and a little bit more um thought into the journeys that we make by car which currently is people just jump in their car without a thought and actually a little bit more consideration on each journey that people make would make a huge difference. Do you have kind of anywhere in the UK or, or around the world that you kind of look up to in terms of their approach to transport? Um, and maybe half I'll kick this question over to you to begin with. Uh, some of the Swiss cantons are, are really impressive. So I really like that idea of like everyone's got a right to a service of transport, you know, the sort of universal service standards. I think that's that works really well because it can apply to wherever you live. It's not just about cities. It can, you know, it can be if you live in a small community, um, you know, it can be adapted to that. I don't think I've lived anywhere that has a sort of the, the perfect transport uh, options. I did used to um, work quite a lot in Strasbourg. Um, and I really like the sort of modern tram system that they had there. Um, and Rudy, maybe yeah, maybe they won't be a model uh, place, but maybe is there anywhere that kind of gives you inspiration? There's some really amazing and inspiring things coming out of Bogota. Um, they do a lot of cycle streets, got so many miles of bike lanes and they managed to do loads more miles of pop-up routes during coronavirus. So just the, the will there and how quickly things happened and how much they seem to care about getting that active travel within their regular infrastructure is really inspiring. 
Yeah, great. I mean, I mean, here at How to Save the Planet, we like to end on, you know, good vibes, um, <laughs> on, on hope. Um, so, you know, my last question for you always maybe, you know, what is one thing that kind of gives you hope um, when it comes to greener transport, you know, especially in the context of fighting cl- the climate crisis? Um, and maybe, Ian, you can k- kick us off with this one. I think our reactions to COVID have shown that we can change behaviour in a way that we didn't think we could. I think it's almost as if somebody's flipped a switch and we're seeing that there's a everybody realising that we can build back in a completely different way. Places where it's been taken years and years to sort of get tiny little bits of cycle routes. Suddenly it's been done in days, Park Lane, the cycle route that's going down the side of Park Lane in London. This is really encouraging. We're seeing a glimpse of a future that's possible. And for me, I think we should look at that and say we've reacted to COVID because it's a really obvious really urgent, sudden emergency. The climate emergency is actually an emergency in slow motion, but we've got to react to it. Oh, great. Um, Half, what gives you hope? What's what's the inspiration there for you? A few weeks ago, um, there was a debate and a discussion in the Senedd, which is our Welsh Parliament here, and they voted in favour of basically making most urban areas a a default 20 miles per hour zone. So, yeah, I think we've definitely seen a shift in recent times in terms of community awareness of also that political awareness as well. I think we're we're starting Mm. to see big changes. Yeah. Rudy, what gives you hope? For me, it's the openness. I think a lot more people are open to a lot of conversations that they might not have been in been open to before like that active travel conversation like that working from home conversation like low traffic neighborhoods i've been having conversations with people recently that don't perhaps understand these concepts when we start start chatting and then within half an hour they're all on board i've got a local friend who's a bike mechanic and he's saying that he's had a year's worth of trade in two months people's appetites are changing like and their understanding of what could be better is changing. Half already, Ian, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, where can the people find you if they're looking for you? www.transportforqualityoflife.com Yeah, sustrans.org.uk um, and we're on Twitter and Facebook and all, all the places. So come and find us. Yeah, Half, you're obviously part of the Friends of the Earth family. Is there anywhere you want to point people to? Yeah, well, um, yeah, the new reports are on our website, which is fo.cymru so foe.cymru which is c-y-m-r-u um and yeah a lot of social media and stuff as well can find us brilliant thank you so much uh three of you it's been a pleasure to chat to you um uh, and i hope the people listening enjoyed it as much as i did take care everyone bye thanks bye, bye. 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 Well, I found that really inspiring. Such simple changes that our government and local councils, you know, could do to make a huge impact on how we travel. Like it's just the simple logistical stuff, making sure timetables match between the services. Um, and so people aren't really, you know, stuck waiting around or having to sprint, you know, f- from the next train or for the next bus. I've got really like horrible memories of doing that. I'm sure you have too. I also find it really interesting because I think we always look at places like Holland as some sort of bike utopia where people cycle all the time with their children and their shopping. And it seems really unachievable. But to know that culture only really started in the 1970s, for me, is pretty inspiring and hopeful that we can achieve the same thing here. 
So how can we bring about this change, I hear you ask? Well, we're currently calling the government to make sure people of planet are central to their recovery package. We have a unique opportunity to shape things at this moment. So please sign our petition and find your local climate action group to bring about change in your area. That's it from us and we'll see you next time. Take care. Bye. Thank you.